is our time, a special time of teaching as we're heading into uh, Pentecost uh, beginning this Sunday uh, at sundown. Sure. And of course, uh, all of these feasts that you teach on, they lead us back to Jesus. And yeah. and of course, our, our walk with Jesus, uh, the, there's something he, I mean, you wouldn't be spending all this time if there wasn't something that was going to connect us. Uh, to the master. Yeah, I mean, we started teaching about Passover so many years ago, but the point is, Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. He was the Passover lamb, and so we began to teach and uh, on our first trip to Israel back in 2015, started to kind of just get us ready for that journey. And so it's become a bit of a tradition. We added all the other feasts and come in and teach on those. And uh, today we're actually focusing in on Pentecost. Now, you may say, you know, we've been talking for a long time. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about Pentecost yet. And the reason is, you know, people can get a little idea of Pentecost. But if you don't get the whole picture, you're going to miss some of the most important aspects of Pentecost. And you may even miss this, how to really understand how to connect to the Holy Spirit. And this counting of the Omer between Passover and Pentecost, these 50 days, the counting of these days, why is that important? Because these days are testimonies. These are real historical days. And, and how do we overcome the devil? By the blood of the Lamb, there's Passover, right. and the word of our testimony. See, these days are built into our victory mm -hmm. over our enemy, the devil. And I don't want to gloss over this because as as you and I have, have talked off air, as you're helping me to, to come along uh, on this journey, it's not just a counting on a timeline to figure out what day to celebrate Pentecost on. There is value in each and every day of the Omer, is that correct? Yes, each, each and every day. So maybe that's helpful for some people as you've been talking about counting the Omer. It's like, okay, we get it. It's 50 days, but there's something significant to each day. And, and, you know, one of the things that people originally got, kind of have the concept of is at Passover, the day after Passover is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's for seven days. And we've got that concept is this is us now. We're saved. The blood of Jesus has washed us. But now we're walking uh, clean or walking holy, walking forgiven. These are the days, one week, it's the days of our life. And yes, most definitely, that's a beautiful picture of that. But when we see Jesus after his resurrection, he doesn't just walk for a week and go to heaven, right? The first 40 days of the Omer are the same days that Jesus walked the earth after his resurrection. Okay. He walked them 33 years with the disciples and with his family. But when he rose from the dead, he didn't just go to heaven. He stayed and he walked. Why is that? So it shows us that there's more to the Omer, and it was all about Jesus. And so we have to figure out what in the world is going on, because day 40 is when he ascended into heaven at the same place that he'll return one day. At the same place, the scapegoat disappeared with the sins of the nation on the Day of Atonement. He's still doing stuff after the resurrection that is very prophetic and very meaningful. When the Jews count the Omer for day 40, there's nothing significant that happens there. There's no historical tie-in, which begs the question, why did Jesus ascend into heaven 
on that day, there's something that we don't know or there's something that we're missing. So the question is kind of answered if you read the story. Jesus walks up with his disciples at the Mount of Olives and says, well, <laughs> it's day 40. Bye. <laughs> time for me to go. Almost time for you to go into all the world. And he disappears, psh, rises into heaven in a cloud. And they're just standing there. And this, there's just this beautiful picture of all the apostles. They're looking up in the sky. And Jesus literally has to send angels back to say, hey, the movie's over. It's done here. This is on you now. You're the Omer. Day 41 is you. Walk and go and pray. Get ready for day 50. You're going to do greater works because he is gone. And he's looking at these apostles and saying, Peter, be the omer. Go lead these guys. And sure enough, on day 50, and now I'm, I'm just exaggerating what was the, the conversation that they're having, right? So, but this is what's when they, the angels come and they've got to regather themselves and realize we've never walked without Jesus for the last three years. And now we have to, but we got these 10 days. What do we do? Because they know that in 10 days, something's going to happen. And sure enough, on day 50, they're, they're right where they need to be. And the church is birthed. You and I were birthed. Counting the Omer was never about barley or wheat because it was always about us, the church, the kingdom of God. On day 35 of counting the Omer, they, if we're going to step back in the time of Moses here, and we're back at Sinai for a second. On day 35 of counting the Omer, they finally journeyed from God's mountain, Sinai, nearly a year after the giving of the Torah. The children of Israel finally depart from their encampment near the mountain. The pillar of cloud rises for the first time over the tabernacle. That's the signal to resume their travels. And the journey to the promised land just takes 40 days. So for the first time we see, okay, there's that 40 days. They arrive at the promised land in 40 days. And they arrive and Moses sends 12 spies out on uh, Stephen 29. Now, interestingly enough, so here we are 40 days later. In history, we're back in Sinai. We've left Sinai. We've arrived toward uh, the edge of the promised land, day 40. He sends out how many? 12 spies. What does he do on the Mount of Ascension? He right. sends out those 12 apostles. 40 days later, on the 9th of Av, the spies return. They come back with a bad report. Israel would wander and die in the desert for the next 40 years until their children crossed the Jordan, defeated the giants that had terrified their parents' generation. So there's some lessons that we should gain from counting the Omer. I believe that the church, the apostles, did learn that lesson. They did not end up like the children of Israel in the desert. They went on, and we are here because of those apostles. They continued to, to proclaim the gospel, and they grew the church. What is the lesson we should gain from counting the Omer in our own lives? Well, I believe the Exodus journey is very, is, you can just call it a very roadmap for a life of faith. Nearly every lesson you need is part of their journey, and it happens over and over and over. That's why well, God does this every year. I think the ultimate lesson is waiting. Does anybody out there love to wait? But see, waiting isn't wasting time. We have an important relationship to time. According to Ephesians 5, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord 
is. So I think there's a clue there that this counting of the Omer has to do with us discovering what the will of the Lord is in our life. Counting the Omer doesn't just happen in these 50 days. It's our daily walk with Jesus. It's teaching us Mm. how to walk and what to do as we walk. So we learn in, I think the Lord's Prayer is my favorite prayer in the world. I pray it throughout the day. And as part of that, we say, give us this day our daily bread. Well, we know we get that from the manna in the wilderness during the Exodus. So what if you're on a salary and you get a check every other week? Should you still pray? Give us this day our daily bread. You have the check coming. It's every two weeks. Do you you pray it every two weeks? Do you pray a different prayer? No, you don't. The Israelites were shepherds and had these great herds of animals. They would have had to sacrifice hundreds of thousands on Pesach of uh, Passover lambs back in Egypt. Yet over and over, they're murmuring from hunger on their travels through the desert. On day 38 of their travels, they start to murmur and whine that their flocks will die without water. So obviously, they've got all these flocks till God gives them water from a rock at Rephidim. Why didn't they eat the flocks and herds, continue making bread from the grain they brought? Certainly things began to wear out at different times, but they're murmuring the whole time. Our daily bread from that prayer was literally the manna that fell on day 30 after leaving Egypt. But they weren't without flocks or, or, or food or anything else. They still had everything after wandering for 40 years in the desert. So here's the point. Habakkuk 2, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end. It will not prove false. Though and linger, wait for it. Hmm. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. See that wait for it, though and linger? Being full of faith while you wait is part of being upright. And part of this journey, this counting over the Omer, is the growth, this journey that they had through the wilderness. Why did they have to go for 50 days to get to Mount Sinai? Right. Uh, why did they have to journey 40 to get to... What was all that about? It's, it's us. It's, it's teaching us how to wait for it, how to linger, how to, how to walk with God in the midst of our situations, depending and trusting and hoping, knowing that he will come through. It's all part of that.